Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Be Open and Authentic with Rohit. Today we have Belinda with us, who is coming off of a fresh seed round, uh, raising uh, a seed round raise, uh, and with a lot of experience and expertise in sales and marketing. So today I want to capture as much knowledge as possible uh, when it comes to the sales and marketing, and also want to, get, you know, gain um, insights into how um, the seed round went or uh, what. you know they have done you know very uh, uniquely at hubble iq so that they had a successful uh, seed round and and a serious growth as well so i'll i'll be talking all like lot more information and details uh, as, as we move further cool uh, firstly i would like to thank uh, belinda for taking the time to be uh, with me on the show today i know uh, you are handling a lot of things and it's a, it's, a, it's a very stressful time uh, and and i'm sure you are tired for the day because we're almost at the end of the day uh, thanks for your time belinda I am happy to be here. This is definitely a great opportunity. Thanks for inviting me. Sure. Thank you. Um and and uh, you know, well, can you start with a you know, little introduction about yourself and and you know, your experience so far on a high level? Yeah. Um so I'm um, I'm happy to be here. Hi everybody. My name is Belinda Batdorf and I'm the co-founder for Hubble IQ. Uh, Hubble IQ um, is a software platform uh, for employee digital experience management. We help organizations manage uh, remote technology that employees ro- uh, rely on effectively and easily. Um, I was actually personally, I was born and raised in Lusaka, Zambia, so I oh. am Zambian American, and my entrepreneurship journey started there. Wow. You know, I come from a long line of strong women. My uh, my strong entrepreneur women. My grandmother used to sell at a market. Um and then she ended up uh building a business, a transportation business and had buses, local buses running. Nice. And then my mother I uh, used to be a, a legal aide and uh, secretary for a law firm. and she ended up uh building a hospitality business. So I feel like it's sort of always been in my blood. So yeah. when I was 19 years old, I saw all these strong women in my family and I'd gone to school, I started working, I took month off work and I was like, okay. What am I going to do? I I want to I want to do something and I realized that there was lack of industrialization in Zambia. Well, opportunity for import and I saw some of the ladies doing it. Well, you know what I did? I saved up all my money Mm-hmm. and i got on a bus for two nights to johannesburg south africa and i started importing uh goods for sale in addition to that i started getting on a train to dar es salaam which is a port in tanzania and this train ride was just terrible you know the train was called tazara <laughs> yeah. and i would get on this train but i knew there were cheaper cheaper goods there that i could bring in to sell and i started my entrepreneurship journey then you know fast forward i moved to the united states i initially worked for a television station believe it or not in minnesota <laughs> where mm. it was very very cold yep. uh my de- television us television debut was starring in those local commercials with very mm. bad acting i was the bad actor <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, shaking my head shaking my hands yeah. yeah you know and then i i moved to silicon valley um from minnesota because it was very cold i got into tech and i really found my place 
I just loved, I loved it. Um, I started working for telecom providers, specializing mostly in data center, data centers. I worked uh, for charter communications, spectrum. And then, you know, what I loved about that business was actually helping clients build data centers. So an opportunity came up to getting into cloud computing and just specialize in IT managed services. So I, I joined another company called Navisite. Mm. Um, and there I helped IT managers build physical data centers, cloud data centers at that point, um, building uh, applications on top of you know the, the, the servers and then services. So I've been in tech most of my career working with IT managers. Wow, that's nice. Cool. So, I mean, wait, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to comprehend because I've been thinking that, you know, I have like my own unique journey, uh, but I think yours seems to be, you know, a whole a lot more interesting uh, because you were in Zambia, you know, yeah, and you are coming from a, you know, great family with very, you know, entrepreneurial mindset uh, and, and uh, who have yeah. their own businesses, right? So, which is great. And, and uh, like, when when you were doing your own startup gigs, you know, traveling to South Africa, Tanzania. So, and and then when did you decide or at what point you made a move to US? Like, what was your thought process and why did you make that move to US? Um, I moved to the United States um, because of a boy. Hmm. <laughs> My husband, making the story interesting, was serving in the Peace Corps in Zambia. So that's how we met. Um, he lived in Zambia for five years. We dated. And at some point, you know, he and he then ended up getting contracts with UNHCR, trainer with the Peace Corps, because we were so young and we, we didn't want to make a commitment, you know, yep. Yep. Uh, in terms of like taking the big leap of what are we going to do? So we extended that as long as we could, you know, <laughs> finally, you know, being this multi an international couple we had to make a decision where we're gonna what are we gonna do are we gonna stay here or are we gonna go to the united states and so we mm. decided okay you know we our goal was to always come to the united states mm-hmm. and then go back and work in the ngo world work for you know non-government organizations so yeah but you know we came here life happens and we ended up staying yeah i think uh that's interesting and and uh, you know other pattern that i observed with many people who come to us even though if they don't want to go i think they just you know find you know they're just stuck here for so many good reasons though um yeah so you know that's i have interesting. to tell you one of the reasons why we stayed was my 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 husband was like okay maybe i should apply to the state department but he was a peace corps volunteer and then he wanted to apply to the State Department, and he didn't make it through those exams. <laughs> that was going to be a good way for us to go international, work for the State Department, and maybe transition into the NGO. Mm-hmm. So that didn't happen, and we just decided, okay, let's just go back to school and and take that route. Yes, interesting. So then, then how did you uh, end up in you know, acting in Minnesota? Um, and then <laughs> once you are done with acting, like what made you? you know, move to Silicon Valley and, and how did you transition to take, you know, I mean, these are like, I'm just trying to connect all the doubts and your thought process here. Yeah. because it's, it's, it's very unique. 
Yeah, there's a connection. I was actually not necessarily acting. I was doing advertising, television advertising sales. So I was an account manager and I was selling television commercials. So it was still sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and my background at that point from Zambia was is actually uh, selling and sales uh, mar- uh, management and advertising. So it was yeah. sort of like a natural thing for me to go into something like that. And, you know, the acting part just happened accidentally because we would – Actors wouldn't show up. Then I knew the <laughs> script, so then I would just fill in for them. Sure. You know, because obviously I wanted to make that commission, and you got to yeah. do what you got to do, and we need to shoot the commercial before sure. news time and edit it. So yeah. I ended up being in commercials that way, but that's not my expertise. I'm probably a horrible actor. Um, and then, you know, we always knew Minnesota was a pit stop for us. It was school, right? And then yep. uh, my husband was going to school at that point. Um, I ended up going to school later. Um, and then we ended up moving to California. California chose us because the job opened up and we nice. moved to California. Um, I worked for a gentleman briefly in advertising who was in tech. He had taken a break. He saw mm-hmm. me, he's like, you belong in tech. You get, you gotta get in. Yeah. And so he moved, you know, got, got into, went back to telecom. He called me and that, that was my first dabble into technology. And I was in the... Um, at that point, I, they, technology company had companies had huge training centers. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe I'm telling on my age, but I think the, there was a big gap in, in skills. And so they were training people. So I was in a cohort that they sent over to go to train in, in Denver at a huge training center in Lakeside. Uh, This was quest communications at that point. Mm-hmm. And I loved all of it. So I knew I found my place. You know, other people were freaking out. I was just like, oh, man, this is my place. And that was my start. Cool. So that that's the real, real start to uh, technology and sales, which is, yes. which is you know, very challenging. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk more about it uh, soon. Mm-hmm. You know, so then how did the, how did the you know, uh, first startup happen? Or like, uh, when did you, you know, because if you're working for a big companies or tech companies in Silicon Valley, in the pay is shiny, yeah. and you may have, uh, I think, the great startup culture there. Uh, like uh, just just wondering mm-hmm. what, how you're ho- hooked up with you know this startup ecosystem. Um, I always knew I wanted to do something on my own. Um, yeah. I'd worked in tech and corporate for so long. Um, you know, we'd set ourselves financially to a point where I could take some risks and, you know, an opportunity came up where my uh, we friends uh, networking, we I'd been talking about my need to just to start something on my own. And my husband's boss at that time was uh, friends with another gentleman that was just beginning a startup. And he introduced us and, and said, you know, I think you guys would do well together. Why don't you, talk about the startup and figure it out. And I, and the startup was mainly, um, it was an IT uh, services marketplace, which fit me perfectly, right? Because I've been in IT managed services and it just seemed like a perfect opportunity for me. And uh, I left my job and just jumped in. Wow. Okay. So, you know, one other pattern that I've been observed was, 
you know there are you know many doors open for you but every at every time you know um, you were there you showed up and then you are grabbing this up i mean you grabbed all the opportunity like and and went all in uh, i think i think which yeah. is a, which is a lesson right there itself cool and and and, and how was uh, your first startup experience uh, by the way um let me tell you coming from corporate where everything is provided for you Yep. all the tools it was actually a, a hard transition you know yeah. startups you know they're all about using a lot of you know free software you know you're, you're trying to save money and i wasn't yep. used to that i was using to the, i was used to this enterprise grade <laughs> yep. things that it was i had to learn everything you know yep. where i worked at that point we didn't even have slack we didn't even use slack Oof. <laughs> which is funny yeah. and you know slack is easy obviously to figure out but you know there's this jira there's confluence there's all these yeah. things that you, you that you use in a startup world that you don't so it, it was not an easy one also selling you know you're in a startup you're doing everything you don't have leads coming in for marketing yeah. right and so you really have to um, be self-driven and motivated to do that. Yeah. It's almost like running your own business really. Yeah. And so it, it's definitely not an easy transition, but I think if you have the passion and you have an entrepreneur mindset, I yeah. think that's very important. You can do it because it's, it's, you know, you just have to think you're running your own business and running your own business. You have to wear many hats. You have to be flexible. You yeah. have to know that things aren't going to work and it's going to be challenging. For sure. Yeah, because uh, I can I can totally see see the pain point uh, being being in corporate, right? Because now yeah. we don't realize all the luxury we have uh, yes. until, until it's gone, right? Yeah. And, and the other part is, you know, we can't complain. Even if we complain, you know, we are the other person to listen to and solve the problem. Right. Yeah. No one is going to solve for us. Uh, but but the key point that you mentioned is the passion and the mindset to solve, you know, to wake up every day and, you know, just have another another horrible day because, you know, you have to get your own leads, you know, convert them into sale, which is very, you know, in my opinion, I think which is very uh, awkward and also challenging because normally if you get the lead, then you are in a very good position to, you know, approach the sale. But if you are the one generating lead and also going for the sale, I think that whole process, I think it's, it's, um, you know, a bit of a stretch in my opinion. Um, what, what do you, what's your take on it? I, I agree. I mean, it's the awkwardness is never ending. You know, when you're, <laughs> <laughs> when you're starting, you, you try to figure out, okay, where can I tap first? You know, you, you go back to your experience in corporate, which, which some of it does translate. Uh, what I think sometimes is your wealth is your network. Oh my goodness. You know, keep those clients close. The, the, yeah. the you know, all your network is golden when you're starting a company and yeah. it's not easy. The awkwardness comes in. You, you know, you're calling them, trying to beg them <laughs> no. to see your product, you know, it's, it's not easy, but I yeah. think if you have those good relationships to where you've helped them through tough times, they're yeah. going to be there for you. They, sure. at, at the very least, they're going to help you in the product development part where you vet your product, you're creating a product. Now you have, uh, um, you know, people that can help you actual users 
that yep. can say, mm, I don't know about this feature. So we did a lot of that. You know, we called in my network. We were like, okay, we're building this feature. What do you think? So there was a lot of um, involvement from IT yep. uh, connections that I've had in the past. Gotcha. So, you know, uh, so there is that always, you know, awkwardness all the time. So you just have to accept oh, yeah. it. But I think the here the crucial point is, you know, developing the network and, and tapping on to being able to tap on to them whenever you need. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't matter if you just have network and you can't tap onto them. And you can't really tap onto them unless you had some sort of strong relation, right? So I think nurturing, nurturing the relationship in the network is also very crucial because, you know, may, I may have like, you know, 100 connections, great, who are VPs or, you know, CEOs at companies. But, you know, if I can't just go make, you know, make a sale or, uh, you know, I want, you know, I can't ask for any help unless... Because I mean, the, if that is my, you know, uh, we, if I don't have working relation or uh, if I don't have some sort of strong connection, right? So I think proactively finding a way to nurture the relationship um, in a way that you can top tap onto it whenever you need, uh, I think is also very crucial, right? It really is. And it, it, it goes to really say that, you know, work, it's, it's business, it's solving their needs, but they're also people. Yep. And I think if you create those relationships, they come back, you know, they yep. consider you an ally, a friend, and everybody's willing to help a friend. So I always approached, you know, my clients through my entire career. Um, I had their best interest, right? And so I advocated for them strongly within the businesses mm. that I worked for. I knew, obviously. Um, it is still a business, but I was, I always had very, very authentic and honest conversations with my clients. And I think they really trusted me, which helped us create those good relationships that I could now bring over to the startups. Great. I think that, that that's a great lesson, um, helping, you know, working in the best interest of clients and, uh, you know, with, with anyone in your network, I think, which is a very key to maintain that relationship and, and, uh, you know, um, get, get help as needed, particularly if you're in a startup ecosystem, this is gonna, you know, this okay. is a very valuable lesson. Um, thanks for sharing it. Uh, that's, that's very, uh, helpful. So, sure. and, and want to, uh, you know, since before moving to, you know, I want to really get into how like you, but, you know, just trying to understand, yeah. you know, I see you moved on from your previous or uh, the first startup that you worked with mm -hmm. to hub like you, right? So if you can, yeah. can you share a little more experience, uh, you know, with the startup, you know, what happened in the sense not trying to get into any personal details, but just want to understand, you know, what was your thought process for, you know, quitting it and making, you know, deciding to make a move because, you know, in my personal experience, you know, if you're, if you are within a startup or if you're hooked up to one, right, it's really hard to, you know, make a move because you, you know, you, I mean, put your blood into it, right. You know, um, there is just, I mean, you are pretty much connected to it in, in many ways. So it's very emotional yeah. and, uh, you know, not le letting it go will also, is also means that you are letting a lot of hard work go to a certain extent. Yeah. So yeah. what, what was your thought process and why did you make that move? It was definitely a hard decision. You know, we worked for so long, put in so much work, like you said, uh, money. Um, it's, it's tough. It wasn't an easy easy um, decision. However, Kayvon and I met at that startup. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I don't know that. 
And for the audience, Kayvon is the other co-founder of Hubble IQ. And that's how we met. So although that didn't work out, it created a link for us to start Hubble IQ. Hmm. Um, there were three co-founders and Kevin and I were just very in sync in how we work, you know, strategy, how we wanted to execute. It was very easy for us. Um, and as much as I loved working for the other company, I related more to the problem that was solving now. And I knew I would add more value here than there. You know, I think I knew that, you know, it, I had done what I could there. You know, I had to come to that decision on my own and come to a place where I knew I could add more value and actually, you know, do better. <laughs> yep. You know, um, I think as a remote worker, I worked from home most of my career. And I also worked with um, IT managers or IT organizations, as I'd mentioned. And then also having been from Zambia, you know, digital, uh, digital opportunities are important. So sure. starting up IQ was, was a little bit bigger than just, Hey, we want to start a startup and make a lot of money. Yeah, that's great. But the mission is also big. You know, yep. I being from Zambia, I understand the importance of digital opportunities, right? Yep. They, they, they are not a lot of, say, for example, economic opportunities like call centers in Zambia because of why infrastructure, you know, connectivity issues, all of that stuff. So I knew, you know, creating a product that actually uh, impacts that positively, you know, was something I was more passionate about and nice. more mission oriented for me than you know the other companies so this is more near and dear to my heart and i'm very passionate about it and then the other thing is kevin and i worked really really well together i knew that we would be the type of founders that can weather storms and we all know you know being co-founders is not an easy thing yep. you don't agree on everything and so having a founder that you know you can rely on and you know they see you and you can clash and have creative differences, but then come together and know that your goals are the same is very important. Agreed. Cool. So it's, it's more of, uh, you know, founding a better mission and passion and, and a person to work with. So which, yes. are, which are led to, you know, make a move. Yeah. It's interesting. And, and I think it's, it's also very important when to know, make a move, right? Because you can always hang on to the idea and sometimes hanging on to the idea is what you need. You never know. But I think, yeah, I think you have to consider all the other data points such as, you know, you know, having, you know, good relations with co-founders or the team and, and maybe finding, you know, better mission. So I see, I see how you use the data to, uh, you know, make a move. Um, that's, that's interesting. Cool. Uh, thank, in thanks timing. for sure. I know. Timing. I yep. Timing was, was a big thing, right? You know, yeah. Uh, we knew that we, we started Hubble IQ right before the pandemic hit. We saw that remote work was on the rise, right? Of course, nobody would predict the pandemic, but, <laughs> yep. you know, it was going to be then. We needed to do it then. So I, I couldn't wait and be like, okay, I'm going to wait. And I just had to make that decision and have the conviction to move forward. Exactly. And, and that's one thing that I, I really want to get into. You know, I can't emphasize enough the importance of timing. 
because there are so many products you know um, which beat the competition even though the competitive products had like super you know great technology uh, it just the right timing is is very important uh, for, for for a company i mean we can't obviously predict it right um, the timing it, it just has to work out maybe the conviction or your intuition whatever we may, we may call it but but mm-hmm. want to you know understand how, why or how you started how like you right before the pandemic uh, because <laughs> you know this is really the pandemic type of company right so where yeah you see the need okay the, because i'm working remotely you see the need you know if you if i'm going to office every day you know or if many people are going to office every day, i wouldn't think of this idea you know i wouldn't even call yeah. this future of work a big thing because it's i mean it's it's just a regular thing back then you know good old days right so but how did you um come up with this idea and what made you to work on this right before the pandemic um you know we knew remote work was on the rise i mean the data we followed the data mm-hmm. we could see mm-hmm. um and we could see that th- there was more flexibility anyway within companies mm-hmm. more and mm-hmm. more people were working from home managers were getting a little bit used to it but i cannot sit here and tell you that we could have predicted the huge shift that happened after i yep. uh, no way i mean that was just i don't know luck <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, luck and not luck because it was the pandemic is a bad thing. Uh, yep. But you know, the timing of of us starting right before, we we couldn't have predicted what happened. You know, it was an awful, awful thing. Um, you know, it did provide opportunity for us to sort of help the world navigate this new, you know, mm-hmm. environment. You know, as people were working from home. Um, we knew that we could help them with the software that we. just started building and it was very new at that point. Yeah. Um we had put out a free Chrome extension on uh the Chrome store just mm-hmm. to experiment at that point right before the pandemic. We you know, we didn't see that. And we had 200 people on that downloaded it, but then everybody went remote and we had just thousands and thousands of downloads, thousands Uh-oh. at that point within like 3 months. Gotcha. Um And so we knew we were onto something and that was sort of like our marketing our our market test to see okay is is this needed. And when you know out of those free users we started getting um businesses contacting us saying hey you know we want a back end. You know I want to have a dashboard where I can see this type of data for my entire company. So we really started building Hubble IQ based on customer feedback and what they wanted um and that's how Hubble IQ was born. We at that point we weren't sure if we were going to be a B2C or a B2B, mm-hmm. right? uh company. We were still trying to figure it out. Are we just going to help remote workers at that point because not a lot of people were working from home, although there were enough people working from home to be a pretty big market for us who are fending for themselves um you know we could not have predicted that companies were going to care so much about it which yeah. now led to the b2b because the world just shifted yeah cool so i mean um experiment you know experimenting with the chrome extension or uh, trying to mm-hmm. identify the product market fit is i think uh 
has has added a great value to right to you right because i mean i think Amazing. that that really gave you what customers you know needed and then yep. you know eventually you found the product market fit and then uh, decide that hey i really want to be the b2b company which is which is which makes more sense because every company needs a remote tech support uh, definitely right okay that's interesting yep. and i like i like yep. this uh, you know way of experimentation as well uh, i haven't thought about it or i haven't seen anyone doing this i mean maybe my experience is narrow i guess but but yeah i, I like this approach um and, and and what what is your experience with you know product market fit in the sense uh, mm-hmm. how you know how you know what kind of experimentation do you suggest or you know for any new startup and and what can you explain the importance of you know product market fit and how one can you know find it I would say product market fit is a difficult thing for any startup. Yeah. It is hard. I I cannot even sit here and tell you that we've completely cracked the code. You know, I think we're still sort of yep. experimenting with that. We feel we're pretty close. But, mm-hmm. you know, I I if we get there, you know, we're going to be having a whole different conversation as I'm sitting here. I mean, yep. we just got our seed seed money. So we're doing a lot of, uh, we've really just amped up a lot of marketing um, and really restructuring our go-to-market plan because before when you're bootstrapping, it's very different, right? You're barely making it, you know, you're really just, you know, you're just a resource constraint. Now that we have some money, you know, and we just got the money like a month ago, we we're now re-strategizing on how we can really, really get those signals. We have customers, right? Don't get me wrong. Some customers, all of our customers fit a certain profile, but they're, they're also, they've come from different industry, different industries. We've had a school, 15,000 school, you know, charter school. We've had, um, marketing agencies, you know, but what we've seen lately, ISPs, is over the last month though, we are getting signals from a specific uh, company. Mm. So we're really trying to tap into that and figure out, is this it? You know, we're seeing some commonality Mm. and part of it is we're getting companies are coming to us for remote um, technology onboarding for their remote workers. Somebody, Mm. they hire somebody, they wanna make sure that they're set up well is your internet going to work well? Some companies have, B, have BYOD. Is yep. the uh, their computer good enough to where they can run the company's applications? Yep. Um, applic- you know, and also application performance. We're get, we've gotten quite a few that are coming in, uh, and so and and we're seeing that some of them are coming from contact centers. Um, because they're now, their agents are remote and they're working from different parts of the country. Those are unique environments digitally that they're working from. If they're not providing the computer and, but then yet they're requiring them to access certain applications, a computer has to be a certain, you know, standard. And so there are these digital policies that are putting that they're putting in place. Like this is the minimum you could have in terms of a device and network and all that stuff. And they're coming to us for help yep. and obviously continuously supporting those 
remote workers so they can be productive. So product market fit is hard. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's that was a, a long story. No, it's, it's short, an, uh, but it's yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off. You know, it's an ongoing thing, right? So you you have to understand yeah. how your product is maturing, where you are, you know, getting the traction from, and and yeah, I think you probably have to, you know, uh, use your instinct to tap onto which market you really want to go after because, you know. Um, there, there can be many shiny things, but not everything can be, you know, have not everything has a value, right? And and which is, right. in a, you know, I want to ask this question, right? So, if you are, prob if let's say you want to, you know, go after this contact center or like some other, you know, after some companies, they may have, you know, uh, a whole different way of, you know, requirements that your product may not yet have. And you have to build yep. those for them, but mm -hmm. it also means that you are sort of deviating from um, you know your current goals and path. Um, but yeah. if they are, if they're big enough, maybe you it, you know it, it totally makes sense. But how do you how do you make that call of you know building those specific features for them, or um, how do you know that you know that is something that maybe you have you know that leads you to product market fit? So how how do you uh, mm -hmm. uh, make that call? You know, it's such a great question because we're knee deep in that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, because we do know if we if we really anchor in a certain vertical industry, other features, you know, for us to be more valuable, we may have to build out, right? Yeah. And and so we're we're not we I feel like we need more signals. I think you just need to validate those signals before you start you know, building those features that may not be relevant for other industries. Yeah. Right. And so it's, there's no, um, secret sauce. I think you just have to immerse yourself in that industry. If you have contacts, we're talking to people that are yeah. in that industry to validate. I just came from a conference, um, contact center week in Nashville, literally immersed in the industry to try and figure this out. Uh, we also have, you know, a marketing agency that we're using to do some experimentation mm -hmm. with the um, contact center industry. So we're using multiple, and we also have contacts, like a consultant yeah. who's who we knew from our network that, you know, we're tapping into to do some research for us and also just get some customers so we can see what really matters, you know, to them, get more customers so we can begin to you know, understand what they need. And if we see the signals repeating themselves in terms of, you know, clients coming to us, yeah. I think it will be clear that this is where we want to be. The market is huge for contact centers. I mean, look at no. companies like Genesis, yeah. eight by eight, right? That's, that's, you know, billions of dollars. So, hey, if yeah. that's a product market fit, I would love it because yeah. they have a lot of issues in that industry. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but yeah. they have... 30 to 40% employee churn contact centers, Oof. which is crazy. 30 yeah. to 40%. Efficiency problems and, you know, engagement. And they're always trying to improve customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction. And our product, how about IQ can literally touch a lot of those problems. So yeah. theoretically, we can see it. We yeah. do have a few customers that are actually benefiting. And we are tapping into that and trying to see if, if, if this is where we go.
and I'll tell you, the signals are really good. I'm, I'm being a little coy right now because I don't <laughs> want to say, hey, we found it. Yeah. Because, you know, we just partnered with Genesis. They adopted hmm. us as one of their um, foundry partners. So we're going through um, integration discussions with Genesis. So their hmm. salespeople are the ones that are going to go to market. And, you know, we're going to be a line item on their, you know, on their on their products. So we're very, very excited about that. And then we're exploring channel with other um other tech, tech providers in um, in the industry, life size, eight by eight, ring yep. central. So we're also ex- you know looking at that um, because we enhance those products. Obviously, as they go to market, they want to add more value to their customers, yep. and Abu IQ is able to do that because we're we're extending you know their services to you know the remote agents experience. Gotcha. Cool. And, and by the way, congrats, congrats on uh, the Genesis uh, contract or, or the partnership. Uh, and, and I am sure we have many more to come because I can totally see um, that it fits that line of business. But obviously, you need, you know, if I cannot just speak or like, you know, I, I still I still have I may not have all the data points to, to make that call. But and, and I also like your, your thought process, right? You know, finding a way to get more and more signals you know, uh, to validate, Hey, this is probably it. Um, but I think we got to be really cautious. I think, which is what, what mm-hmm. you guys are doing. Uh, that, that's very good. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing, sharing all this information. So, and, and now I want to, uh, really get into the core part of, uh, this podcast. Uh, I, uh, and we are <laughs> more than halfway through it. Um, but yeah, just, just want to really get into the sales and marketing part of, you know, a, a startup, right? And and just clearly want to understand how you set up the marketing strategy for Hubble IQ uh, and, and, and mm-hmm. also the sales strategy. So I'm sure a lot of your experience played a role in it. So, but for example, you know, if I don't have, or if many founders doesn't have, you know, that sort of experience, you know, what can we learn from what you've done is, is what I'm really trying to take away from this. But but we can just start it with a simple, you know, uh, question of how did you do it for you know, Hubble IQ? Um, well, um, I would say that, you know, coming in with that entrepreneur background and, you know, from Zambia and that drive, it really did help. And then getting obviously, you know, all the skills that I did and the network from, from my past corporate jobs helped set me up. Um, I, there's no, when you're starting a product that's new, that has, you know, nobody has tried, there's no secret sauce, but to just go out there and, you know, um, validate what you're doing with your network, you know, that's where you start. You know, those are friendlies. They can give you a lot of input or they can introduce you to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. That may need the product. So my strategy was really immediate to go with my immediate connections, you know? And as I mentioned earlier, I believe that really helped us in um, validating the problem with, with the audience that we were, we were going to target with this, but then also, you know, it got us those first tests and we learned a lot, even if they're not buying, 
mm-hmm. you learn a lot. Yep. You know, and then you, you you know, once you learn a lot, you get more confident in going out and speaking to other people about it. Mm-hmm. There's no you know, secret sauce, but just hard work. I created lists. You know, LinkedIn is your friend. If you have an idea of what you're building, LinkedIn is your friend because it allows you to be more targeted. If you don't have a connection, not everybody does. You go through the connection. Maybe nobody's responding, you know, validate it. I just reached out to people and said, I am building this. We are building this. We want your feedback. And people love to help, believe it or not. Yeah. And they they will give you a meeting and you're going to talk to them. And, you know, from there, you could find, you know, your first early adopter. You need those. And that's very, very important. You know, once you start getting those paying customers, you know, one of the things that I did was uh, we, every single customer that we got, we had them, um, we get, obviously, they were not paying us a lot because we just needed for them to sign and pay us something, but they agreed to be a reference and they agreed to be part of our marketing. We could nice. use their logo. We negotiated that. Okay, just pass this much, but we want to use you for our marketing purposes as well. And they agreed. So that yeah. was very helpful for us to get credibility in the market and use them as references, um, you know, use their logos. It was helpful for us to go after the next client and the next client. Um, so make those lists. There's no secret sauce that you're going to, somebody's going to do it for you. Nobody's going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. I don't know how many emails I've sent, how many, you know, not a lot of phone calls because it was COVID and people were not in the offices, but maybe the very close personal contacts I did, but a lot of emails, a lot of messaging, a lot of Zooms, some, some things got to give and, and through that, even if some were like, no, 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 it's not right for me. I was learning and I was getting better and better at messaging. I was getting better at understanding what they need and getting closer and closer to that first sell until obviously that sell happened. Cool. And once the first sell happened, then you use it to your advantage to negotiate, to you get the credibility using the logo. And then you reached yes. out to other clients and then, and then it, the list grew up from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You have to. Get those yeah. logos, get them to agree, yeah. you know, cause that's important. You know, it's, it's, inter- we, during the pandemic, um, a school came to us that I, I mentioned, um, we, we're allowed to use their name. They're called achievement first. And, um, they were struggling because all the kids went remote, mostly black and brown charter school, 15,000 students, mm-hmm. um, new Chromebooks, my and lots of you know, issues that they want, they wanted to manage. They wanted to make sure that these kids were able to sort of be supported. Um, he now had the visibility to see who was struggling, what they were struggling with, right? Yeah. Was it the device network and all of that stuff? But then in addition to that, self-service for the family, some of these families, it was the first time they've had a computer in their home. They didn't know how to navigate that. We're in Silicon yeah. Valley. We may be able to do that, but guess what? We're a small percentage of the world. That's, I mean, of, of the world. A lot of people don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know, and so we simplified our agent to where we were testing it on our kids to say, hey, do you understand this? And they did. They could navigate 
some of those yep. tech issues. And so we provide self-service hmm. um, to the end users as well. So they are the first line of defense. So they can solve some of those easy problems on their own before and mitigates all those unnecessary tickets going to IT. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, uh, once you have a customer and then, you know, finding a way to work with them and, and solve all those problems is great. And, and the other thing that I, you know, observed in, in this uh, conversation was um, you have to, you know, be out there and experiment, right, to validate the idea. Or, you know, once you validate the idea, you gain the confidence. And also during that process, you are also gaining those referrals, Right. If you're talking yeah. to person and, you know, if you're reaching out to many people and if you're, you know, constantly out there to communicate um, and, and uh, you know, the fact that many people can, you know, wants to help is, is, uh, is so true. And then, you know, if you just use it to your advantage, I mean, not obviously not to exploit, but, you know, get as much as help we can. And then get those referrals, you know, be out there talking to people and, and somehow or some of the other way, uh, you will, you will get the first sale, right? So there, no, there is sure. no, there is no other secret sauce. <laughs> so it just be out there. There and, is and, no and other secret sauce. <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep. And, and then I think uh, what I forgot to mention with this other client, they did, uh, they referenced us in both podcasts. Yeah. I, um, I, I was able to. Yeah, they referenced us in a podcast. He had interviews where he was talking about us in the toolkit that he was using for remote technology management. Um, I asked him to, I wrote down some questions and interview questions and um, so that he could respond and we could write a case study. He responded in audio, which was amazing. We were nice. able to put it on YouTube, on our social. Yeah. Um, so just ask, ask, they will help you. Cool. That's, that's a, that's a very good lesson. And, you know, many people tend to ignore, you know, many people shy away from, you know, asking help or uh, reaching out, uh, particularly, you know, people in tech, right. Technology, um, they don't tap <laughs> onto the people. Not many people tap onto the people for help. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's such a, you know, closed world in, in my opinion, or at least based on my experience. So, and then the other tool is LinkedIn, just, uh, find a way to use LinkedIn as much as you can, particularly, yeah. you know, if you know what you're building, if you know the customer base, I think LinkedIn is a great tool where you can just keep reaching out to the people. And then, you know, you, you get all those very valuable, um, you know, uh, contacts and, and, you know, signals particularly, right. Um, yeah, that's cool. And, and, and mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. And Rohit, guess what? Even if you don't know, LinkedIn will help you. Because if yeah. you don't know, you think it's this persona within a company, you reach out to them, create, I mean, Sales Navigator is a great tool that I use all the time. Hmm. LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Gotcha. You create a list um, based on a persona that you think you, they'll like your product and you reach out to them. You see how many people respond and then you create different persona lists and you start going mm -hmm. through, you start seeing a pattern. You can actually find out that way. Even when you're not sure we weren't, right. when we were starting, we weren't sure who cared about this as well as much. We had an idea it's it, yeah. but guess who else is responsible for employee experience? HR. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think right now there's a big, movement and I've, I've been reading a lot of articles about this 
for HR and IT to, to merge and do more work together because remote happened employee experience is under hr but then technology is under it yeah so there's a little bit even right now it's something that businesses are trying to solve and i see i've been reading a lot of articles where hr people now have to go to tech conferences yeah and to 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 figure this out and there's been an emergence of titles right now that are digital employee experience titles specifically because it's a validation that this problem is there and it's big when companies are hiring people specifically to deal with this problem it tells you it's a problem yep and and i can totally you know being in corporate tech uh you know i can totally see why that is very important. And now it also feels silly that we haven't thought about it much earlier. Uh, I think tech and HR always meant to work together, but there is so much yeah. disparity. And, and with COVID, it, you know, it even um, is the gap is too big. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can totally relate. And and I, I'm sure I think so you, sp- you mentioned, you know, LinkedIn sales navigator to mm-hmm. find or define the personas, right? I think g- gather the data and know which, whom, how people are responding or who are responding and then, you know, build a persona um, around those signals. I think that that's pretty cool. Um, and and did you, w- what are the other tools that you use for, um, you know, cold reachings or, you know, in, in the sales process, um, even, even um, in, in, in like you are even earlier in your tech companies? Yeah. Um, to be honest, for me, LinkedIn is huge. Yep. <laughs> I know I'm advertising for them. Hi, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is huge because you don't need to have, initially, when you don't have money, you're bootstrapping. You don't need to have, in your B2B, yep. a lot of money. I mean, I, Sales Navigator is $79 a month. Yep. And you can, I think you're allowed a certain number of connections. And you just go for it. Um, and then there's also LinkedIn marketing, you know, which is very intuitive that you can use, uh, the campaign manager, I think it's called, um, and you can experiment and see as well. You can do ads, you can limit how much money you're spending. Mm-hmm. Um, you can limit it to hundred dollars a day, $50 a day. You can do a lot of experimentation on your own without even having like a whole marketing degree because yeah. it's very intuitive. Um, and it gives you a lot of information and a lot of knowledge. At least when you start spending some money, you're spending it in the right place. You have an idea who your persona is. Yeah. You kind of have an idea what's resonating with them in, term, in terms of messaging. So it, it really just helps you get a little better. So for me, LinkedIn is, is huge. And from there, when you get friendly and connections, they'll give you their phone number. Yeah. Right. And then it's Zoom. Yeah. Uh, we ex experimented before very briefly uh, not even much with a like a software uh, we hired this company that was like calling dialing and then mm. they would set up the leads um appointments for us but our lesson from that was nobody's in the office and a yep. lot of these lists are outdated yeah so you buy these lists we bought a list we tried it so we were trying a lot of you know some of these experiment experimentations and we bought a list and then we gave the list. We knew the persona at that point from the experimentation. We bought we bought a list of you know the audience, and then we we had some verticals that ha- we had signals, and we got the software with an SDR at the end of it with a script. It didn't work out very well, yeah, because 
people were just not in the office. They were getting a lot out of like hundreds of calls. They would get like, you know, just small percentage hit rates, you know, and it's just very time. It's, it's wasteful yep. in terms of it's not efficient. Right. So we learned very early on that calling is, is not, unless you know somebody and it's a friendly, it's, it's probably not very, it's not a good way um, yep. for us. So we're trying to use, so that we're product led. Um, that's a big thing that we're doing. Yep. Um, so our goal is to get a lot of people in the trial. Yeah. We have a free trial. So we're, we're sales lean and we plan to be, of course, we will hire salespeople, but mm -hmm. the sales part of it will be very lean. I think it will be a lot of customer success likely. Yep. Um, and what we do, even with the connections on LinkedIn, we drive them either they have the option to go directly to the trial or to have a call with us. It's up to them. Yep. Um, so we're doing that. And, you know, the other thing that we're doing is for us, like I'd mentioned earlier, marketplaces, you know, uh, the Chrome store for us is huge. Mm. And so our listing at the Chrome store gets a lot of people in our trial. Gotcha. Um, people find us that are having issues and people, consumers are actually professionals in organizations. So it's almost like a shadow thing mm -hmm. where we put this free tool out. Everybody has internet issues. People find it that want to use it. Some of those people are actually decision makers or coaches within a company. We've been yeah. shadow deployed by schools. We just see a district, you know, deploy us to like 2000 students. Wow. Um, so that marketplace for us is big and it's, and it's cheap. It's free. <laughs> yeah. So for us, you know, you, I think when you, when you're starting a company, you have to find very creative ways of doing it. You know, I think LinkedIn is more traditional, but you can use it creatively. But the marketplace for us was um, just something very different yeah. because we got all these users, you know, who were now getting into our trial and some of them ending up to be our customers. So when you really think about this strategy working for us in the beginning, we want to expand that. Now yeah. that we have, you know, we know it works. Why can't we be in other marketplaces. So we're actually actively looking into getting into other Google marketplace. We haven't even tapped that at all. Mm. So you know, we're hoping we can get maybe even an additional resource because, you know, we're obviously have so much that we're doing yep. to help us with some of these strategic things that we need to do, get into marketplaces and partnerships and channel that stuff is, that's not, you know, we're not paying for that. It's just hard work and reaching out and filling out forms, going to the websites, filling out forms for part in the partner program yeah, and following up and pushing until the door opens. Exactly. Um, and, and thanks for sharing all of your experience. And there are so many in insights that I've been even taking notes of, you know, particularly uh, one is, I mean, the real truth is, you know, it's all hard work tap on, you know, as many doors as possible, you know, I'm sure one or the other will open and, and, you know, constantly, you know, experimenting has been the key for you, which is very, you know, uh, you know, even Amazon, we have doing things or any big tech company, they just, uh, you know, experiment a lot and lot and figure out which is the right, 
fit and once you figure out the right fit you know it's it's a huge market to go after because we know very target we know the target audience that we want to target it's all about you know targeting the right audience which is which is very key and i think one thing that played in your favor is you know that extension or you know the pool of users that you know uh mm-hmm. who gave you the uh, confidence and and also the data that you need to uh, to make those decisions uh, be it product and also be um, you know maybe uh, in terms of the persona or or uh, you know helping you make some decisions that are product related so i think that has been a big big win for you which is which is very interesting um and and also <clears throat> this constant nature of experimentation and also you know finding you know looping in customers first as with the freemium because in the sense that the freemium business model right in the sense you you loop in people and you know mm-hmm. once you one, that is the key for any startup you know which is every which is any company struggles with how can i get customer to try the product first so in your case that i think the extension approach played really well because you are getting a yeah. lot of people to try the premium it with yep. very few resources because typically you know not every product can afford you know a large number of free users as well right because it's costly but for in your case i think you kept it very lean and also probably maybe self service i think um, that is great i think i mean i just see a lot of right decisions that uh, are and in in place and also things are working in your favor um but i i'm sure all these are based on a lot of hard work and experimentation uh, be it be it yeah. with schools or be it with customers uh, which is which is very mm-hmm. interesting and and i i i, I uh, really like other point about going customer success first in, instead of the sales i think is is uh, another key point here because if you start selling people will you know will repel right in the sense they uh, they'll be too cautious to try everything if you are going based on the customer success metric uh, first approach then they'll get comfortable before they even see the sale so they know whether they want to go with the product or not so i i really like that that approach uh, can you give a little more insight insight, insight into that what led you maybe that seems too obvious but it's too tempting to make a sale right so yeah. how did so why did you uh, like how did you come to that decision or like what was your thought process um, behind it you know we wanted to do something different i think mm-hmm. we saw what other companies were doing and they were very traditional in that how they were going to market yeah and product led you know customer success first is 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 a differentiator for us right you know um you don't have to i i also think we're dealing with a very savvy buyer it yep. they're smart they know what they want yep you know and i've been on the other side working for corporate presentation 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 i've yep. had situations I, i think at some point in my career i would get in a meeting and be like do you even want to go through the presentation or do you want to just talk and most of them would be like let's just talk sure. you know so they're savvy and they know what they want and um i think giving them control over yep. their decision making is you know is something that we're betting on yep right because look at how we're living today yeah look at how we're buying things are are we actually sitting down and meeting with people in order to buy things or are we now self sufficient in how we book hotels 
yep. in how we book airlines, vacations. We used to go to travel agencies, right? Yeah. But we're savvy. We know with the right tools, we can figure it out on our own. The world has shifted. And the old way of, I think, going to market and selling is also shifting. And we're building for the future. This product is for the future of work, yep. right? And so if we're going to build for the future of work, we have to build something that's that's different and aligns with that. And so that's why we, we came up with this strategy, because we know um, that that's where even sales is going. And so it has to be. And so yep. we want to be prepared and ready for that. We already see the shift, but I think we, we can see it happening in the future. You know, the other thing too is there's operational advantages then, you know, and cost if we're lean, yep. you know, more, more profits for us eventually. And then exactly. there's strategy uh, global, you know, thanks AWS and AWS credits. Yeah. <laughs> <Plug>. <laughs> Yeah, we are a global company. We have a server in almost every continent, obviously, you know, apart from like Antarctica and such, we, we have users everywhere, you know, um, and the problem is the same. It's very similar regardless yep. of where you are. So we're positioning ourselves, you know, when we put, we're putting the gas now, we can put the gas anywhere globally. Anybody can find us, any company can use us, whether you're in Africa, you're in, yep. in fact, we have customers in India. We have customers in the, from the UK. Yep. We have an ISP in, in Africa. We have customers here in the United States, you know, so we're barely tapping the surface, but I think it yep. positions us to, to be this big global company and have a huge market to tap from. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And I, and I like your, uh, you know, thinking big approach, right? In the sense, you know, you have so much belief in the product and you see where it is going and still it's in the early days, which is the reason you want to like, you know, make sure that customer success metric is on the top end so that mm -hmm. in the future, whenever a bigger market opens, you are there, you know, you are pushing, I think you are just trying to position yourself with the top layer going the first mm -hmm. customer first approach, which is, which is very uh, crucial. And, and, you know, I, I kind of see that whatever you are doing, uh, is, is mo like how Amazon does things as well. Think big, you know, uh, go customer first do a lot of experimentation and, uh, you know, try to innovate, uh, as much as you can and, and be creative, right? Because you said you want to be lean, which also means that you have to be creative in finding, in doing things with lot less, yeah. right? You know, if you can throw all the money and, and, you know, maybe build something, but you will get more value and more great and great, better product. If you are creative in what you are doing and if you are lean, I think, uh, just, uh, I mean, so many, so many, uh, interesting correlations with Amazon, uh, we are doing things, um, which also means that you are, you are just in the right path. You are doing so many things the right way. Maybe it's. It's, uh, you know, your and, uh, you know, Kevian's experience that are uh, coming into play here. And maybe, uh, maybe, you know, your corporate experience, your intuition or, or um, your, your ideology is coming into play here, which is, which is very good. Uh, thanks for sharing all of it, um, Belinda. So I just want to diverge a little bit here. And Rohit, really uh -huh. quickly, like, as a founder, I want to give you a big virtual hug because 
it's a hard, lonely journey. And to hear you just say that, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. I, I totally <laughs> understand uh, and, and all the pain points. And which is another reason that I'm also doing this podcast because I've been in the scenarios uh, where the you know the startup didn't work and 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 there are just so many things that can go wrong which you don't even realize, right? Which is the reason I want to you know I start this podcast that hey you know there is so much value in creating the right content with the right people, uh, so which is which is the reason um, I'm doing this and and you know as I do it you know I think I'm I'm not sure how many listeners will learn from this podcast. Yeah. I really want everyone to learn, but I'm just taking so many things uh, from this podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, and and uh, But I can also see how, uh, you know, you are navigating this path in the right way. Uh, cool. Um, and, and, and yeah, big, big virtual hug too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think I think you should have a you should have a, a feature in Hubble IQ where once the problem is resolved you can give a big virtual hug maybe some emojis or icons. Yes, I think that will be super cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think this is the next. I think this will be the next coolest emoji. I guess if we can make it work. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I think I know we spoke even about sales, but I want to dig deeper into it. Maybe I think we'll, since we don't have, you know, much time, I want to diverge a little bit onto the funding aspect mm, because yes. I wasn't aware that fundraising is, you know, uh, different for, uh, you know, different races, right. Uh, and, yeah. and different genders and, uh, you know, uh, and, and for, uh, it varies for each type of person uh, I was I was more yeah. you know I always thought that it's based on the idea and how good is the idea and how, how big is the market or the product market fit but uh, I lately uh, realized that it's <laughs> there is so much that goes into play so which is one yeah. is you know uh, be you know race and gender or have been you know some of crucial top things that are deciding the funding which is very unfortunate but uh, you know it is what it is and you know for us how you know how we can change it and how we can navigate this process is the only way out right because if you prove so many people wrong then they start investing more in you know everyone you know it's not just particular to one race or gender right so yeah and 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 i want to really congratulate you on on the first you know uh, seed round successful seed round which is which is very big so and and just just can you share you know uh, how, how how you feel now uh, and and what was the process that you followed? Um, let me tell you. Let's let's go there, right? I mean, yeah. that's a tough journey. Yeah. Um, I think it's a tough journey for everyone, but like you said, it is tougher for BIPOC people. It, it's yeah. just you know, it's a fact. It's just tough, you know. Having, we've worked in, Kevin and I have worked in Silicon Valley and we had an idea. It was tough, but I don't think we really understood until we were in it. You hear the stories of people getting funding based on a napkin, all these things. And well, guess what? They're in some network or they went to a certain school or they look a certain way. You know, we didn't, we don't look a certain way. I'm black female immigrant. He's, you know, a black man. 
um, we definitely do not fit that profile of people that get funding <laughs> in, on yep. an idea. Um, when we started out being in Silicon Valley, you know, we were always used to being sometimes the only different people in, in, in groups, yep. you know, we're used to it. So we went in hustling as we always do. Oh, let me tell you, did we get slapped here and there and there metaphorically, obviously <laughs> it's like, oh, this is so tired. We had to go back and regroup like, whoa, okay. <laughs> This is real. This is a real thing. It's tough for us to raise money. We know we have a good product. And uh, let me, we, we, even with the sales, you know, focus that I have in terms of, hang on, let me just share this off really quickly. Even with my sales background, the tenacity I had, we had like these lists of people that we were going to go after and we did. Well, Mm -hmm. guess what? It, it didn't really happen because it, it just was not resonating with them. Yep. It doesn't matter the network. We didn't fit the profile. So, however, you know, I have to say it's a hard thing to hear. No, 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 no. When you're building something that you love, you know, whatever that, that metaphor is of like calling your baby ugly. Yep. Um, we didn't quite hear that, but we heard a lot of, we need more traction. We need more traction. Yep, And we knocked on so many doors and we kept hearing the same thing. Obviously you have to be an independent thinker and get, get whatever feedback, but we took some of that in. I'm not going to lie. We went back and we said, okay, what are we going to do? If we can't crack this and they want traction and, and even if the bar is higher, if we want to create this, it's either you keep doing the same thing and keep getting no, or just you know, do something different with assistance. Yep. So we, we knew we've always had to work harder. We knew that this yep. was not going to be any different. We just going to have to work harder and prove our startup even more. So, so we did go back, we stopped fundraising for a while and we went back and focused on revenue, hmm. revenue, revenue, revenue. We got our revenue to a point where we're like, okay, whew, we feel like at least we can go back to the drawing board, but wait a minute, before we go back to the drawing board, we were smarter at that point. We yeah. were now more narrow in how we were going to go to market. It wasn't just, oh, we wanted to go after. Everybody wants the Andreessen's and all these people to invest in you, right? I mean, yeah. we, we have, all have that dream, but that it was apparent that that wasn't going to happen. And we wanted to be more narrow. So what I did was I went back and looked at an investor list that was very, very narrow in terms of, do they align with us, future of work? Do they invest in, in BIPOC? Do they, you know, invest in women? SAS, very, I literally spent days just mm-hmm. curating a list of, a smaller list of investors, days and days and days, going through the website, looking at the companies they've invested in and not some say, oh, we invest in, in BIPOC and it's, it's not true, they just say it. Yep. You know, and so, you know, I had to even go to um, history and see who they've invested in and, and curate that list and go on LinkedIn to see who you're, I'm connected with, ask for intros. Some of them didn't pan out. And then people are like, don't waste your time filling out those forms online. Well, I did. I filled out those forms online. 
I would have lists days. I would just go and fill out and fill out. And they're so lengthy, as you've seen. I'm sure you've done it. And they're long. And I did it because I don't know anyone, but I know this is such a good fit for us. So what am I going to do? Not, I'm going to have to knock on their door somehow. So and that was my way in. And so we did that. But there's other ways to get funding, you know, apart from the traditional VC, right? So mm-hmm. look at look at other ways. Look at, you know, some people do pitch competitions and, all, you yeah. know, um, grants for women yeah. founders, for black founders. Um, we didn't go that route, but I did the, the VC route. And then we also tapped into the network to look at, I guess grants, the, the, the impact accelerator was one of them, yep. Yep. you know, Kayvon actually filled that, that out online. And let me tell you, it was tight financially when that happened, mm. Denise called us and she said, you're in, I literally was almost crying because it was such an exhausting journey, Yep. you know, and it gave us some life to keep going and you know, it's interesting. It's like that came in and then we had a couple of angels come in. We were at the accelerator program and we got the offer from the VC that we had been talking to VC group we had been talking to. Yeah. So here we were pretty desperate for money to yeah. die. Amazon comes in, you know, and they were a lifesaver for us because Money just doesn't close right away. It took another exactly. three months for us to close that money. And guess yeah. who sustained us? Of course, we had some revenue coming in, but it was AWS. Cool. You know? Yeah. And so it it was very timely. And in addition to that, they helped us navigate the due diligence, you know, um, and all of that. They really rallied around us. I my grad I have so much gratitude. We had you know, Howard was on an email stream with us and Denise and all of them. Imagine that all the executives on like in an email string saying, careful, don't do this, do that. Like they just rallied around us and it's just like amazing support that we've, we've, we've gotten and we're forever grateful, but yeah. So just in terms of raising, it's not an easy path. Just be narrow. Yeah. Be intentional in how you're finding these 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 VCs because you're going to be rocking, knocking on the wrong doors and you're going to be frustrated. Yeah. And so find the ones that will resonate with what you're doing, with you as a founder, your passion. They're there. You just have to look hard enough and ask yeah. the network. Yeah. Ask BIPOC people that have been funded and got seed too. How did they get funding and ask them for intros? We did yeah. that. So, yeah. Cool. Eventually we got to... Um, we, we got funded and we're just very, very excited about it. Perfect. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you guys too. Um, because I see, you know, one of, you know, in, in, uh, in my network, uh, and particularly in the black, uh, you know, community, you are one of the few people that I've seen, you know, who raise funds successfully. Um, which is great. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for you guys. Um, and, and, you know, I really, we're still going, <laughs> Sorry, we're still raising. We're still sure. raising. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, noted. Uh, and and 
this is such a shiny place to invest uh, definitely right and i hope uh, you know uh, definitely if people you know listen to this podcast i'm sure they'll be inspired and they'll know that you know you are one of the right person to invest in because funding is also based on the person right it's not just that it's the people that many companies invest in um uh, because i mean uh, this conversation had like lot of insights um, maybe you know it it just gives such a valuable data points for any investor to listen to the founder and then you know make a decision maybe you can just use this podcast as one of the uh, references that hey if you want to learn more about me just go to this podcast and listen to all the things that we have done maybe maybe you have the uh, yeah which also means and and yeah. thanks you know for you know being open with all of this right and and particularly you know with this funding process one thing that i observed is you reached out to all the investors fair mm-hmm. no one responded but the other part is you know you went back to the drawing board and and um, figured out hey you know probably we need to um, you know do something differently maybe we need to you know approach things differently right and then you worked on the product and you built some revenue and then now you are not going to all those investors again now you gained so much confidence and now you have you know so much trust in the product that you you are actually in charge of the fundraising now so you listed you know you narrowed down all you know list of vcs that you want to work with now you are picking and choosing you know earlier it would it would be like hey invest in our company you know no matter who you are i'm going to work with you because i really need the money and now you are like yeah. hey man you know if you are not our type i'm not going to work with you because and it's such yeah. a such an important thing for a company right Uh, I'm I'm glad you really I'm sure you all are glad that you really didn't get the first in, first investment when you are knocking all the doors because one wrong investment can can give you a lot of trouble as well right so now you are like you are picking and choosing the company or the VC that you want to work with that is that is great and again I've seen you know along this conversation I observed the resilience you know taking the feedback and and finding creative ways to you know get the work done it's all about getting the work done one or the other way so i've seen a lot of that that in this uh, whole conversation uh, and and obviously this adolf's impact accelerator the impact is really really huge you know if even if one yeah. companies like yours survives based off of that 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 is a win for for uh, for for the you know accelerator because you were you know going to create so much revenue and you are going to you know stand out as an example for many folks who wants to you know follow the path so which also means that you know the community impact of the aws accelerator program or the you know our the hubble iq will go a long way and we may not even realize it because you never know whom you are inspiring or uh, who is learning from you and and it can happen in in so many ways that we don't even know or realize but i can totally see that impact of the aws impact accelerator is going to be huge uh and and i'm huge. really glad you you know just it just worked out for you you know because you know you said that you were really in a need and and i'm glad you just found this mm-hmm. opportunity at the, at the right time and and i'm super glad that you know that was the program i connected with you know most of the founders that i really want to talk to um okay. cool um you know i'm i'm very you know it's, i mean i have so much gratitude for uh, for the you know aws impact program or for all the founders you know it, yeah. it has been such a learning experience for all of us right it it really is i mean 
the the amount of things you get with accelerator money it's great yeah but you know they really invest they really try and they they introduce you to like we're saying funding is is hard but they bring so many investors to you yep. they they really try yep. you know the investor that we had and we pitched to i don't know how many 20 investors in one day yep. you know that's something that would take me a month or two yeah to, to figure out but i had it in one day you know um the technical resources that we had um we it helps us it helped us look at our architecture yep i mean just very valuable you know the credits that is cash technically for us right yep. that's not that's money that we're saving you know out of our operational expenditure there's just so much that you get out of it and even now they continue investing in you Yep. You know, it's not like, okay, you've been in the accelerator program and it's by, we hear from, it's like a family, you know, it's yep. so uh, cheesy, but it is like a family. Yep. You know, I know I can, can call like Denise or Keely or Derek. I, I, I really can. Yep. Um, I know I can, you know, I text with Derek today. You know, the, I mean, the other day, and yeah. they they really are there for the long haul, and they continue supporting you. And if you have any questions or anything, they're there for you. If there's yep. opportunities that are, that are, that are presented where they can lift you up and introduce you, it just it's ongoing. Yeah. And so I am just for it, grateful. Sure. Yeah, I, I can totally see the value. It's it's much more than money. Uh, it's network, you know, and and mm -hmm. finding your tribe to you know work with and also to lean on when needed. So that, that's, that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm really glad we all have that connections and, and network right now. So, and, and, you know, I, I know this fundraising has been such a frustrating process for you. Do, do you, you know, I'm sure many others are going through this and will go through the same process over the time. So do you, do you have any, you know, suggestions for them on where to look or, you know, how to approach the fundraising? Um, there's a lot of articles out there that will actually give you, if you just Google, you know, um, uh, if you literally just Google yep. VCs or that, that invest in BIPOC, there's lists. I, yep. I was doing that and then creating spreadsheets from that. I wasn't using any tools or paying for anything like that. I would just Google that. And then, you know, through that, I would create a list and just research them. So just, you know, um, go to Google, see which ones do invest. There's, there's plenty of them. They're out there. There's no fancy tool that I use. I just use the Google. Yep. And, you know, it gave me a wealth of, of these investors. And you brought up a very good point when you said, you know, it, it's a good thing you didn't get money from the others because now you did with these guys. And didn't, I mean, this, this group of people this, um, I mean, I'll mention them, Collab Capital, they are amazing people. First of all, I mm -hmm. look up to them because they were founders themselves and they walked our journey Ooh. and they know how hard it is, right? And they're paying it forward. Yep. Um, Ijua Burke, she still works for, for, for Google today, heading their startup program. She's a managing partner. Um, Justin, you know, they're really invested in us and in talking to them, we, we felt it cool. that this is who we want to partner with because they're, of course, it's, 
you know, it's a fund. They want to make money, but there's a lot of heart in how they approach it and their philosophy that for us, it just felt like we want to be part of this family, you know, and obviously get the support and the funding that we want. Cool. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly just the regular process. Hey, Google, and then create the spreadsheets and keep knocking the doors. And, and, um, you know, it's a lot of hard work, but this really helps you to find your tribe or, you know, find, really find the people that echoes your thought process or Mm -hmm. values, which is, which is very crucial, right? You know, it sometimes, you know, as I said earlier, you know, it's, if the, if the rejection happens, it's for good. It helps you think, rethink, re-strategize and fi- find the right opportunity or the right person to work with. Cool. Uh, th- thanks for yep. sharing it. And yep. also other part that I want to emphasize is finding a way to get the grants, uh, be it AWS Impact Accelerator or, you know, Techstars or there are so many pitch competitions that can give you, you know, some money to survive. So if that is, yep. and that's a free money, you know, which is very, very mm-hmm. rare, who will give you the money just to, you know, survive, right? So, I mean, which is, which is very important just to go yep. after those because it also helps with many connections and validation in you know, idea validation and find the product market fit. So cool. Um, and, and yeah, thanks for sharing all of this, um, it's been such such a great conversation, and I know we are also <laughs> over time. I uh, just want to end up with one last question, uh, Belinda, if that's okay. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, this is this is a question that I ask, uh, you know, every uh, every guest on the podcast, and which is a very interesting part of it, is can you help us learn something in two minutes that took a very long time for you to learn? Ooh, oof, that's a tricky one. <laughs> Yep. I gotta think about this. Learn something in two minutes. Yeah, just just share something you know that took very long time for you to learn. And if you if you want to think for a minute, feel free to do so. And it yeah, can be anything, yeah. anything. Uh, I'm sure you have so many learnings along the life, right from Zambia to South Africa to Tanzania to Minnesota. Take you know, take uh, startups. You know, just so much to learn. So it doesn't have to be work related, right? Nope. I don't know. Anything, anything um, that comes to your mind uh, and that took long time for you to, you know, crack it or you know, figure out. Um, gosh, I, I don't know if this quite answers the question, but I, I think for me, it's more immerse yourself in immersing yourself quickly in. If you're an immigrant and you migrate immerse yourself very quickly in, in society, in that society, your life is going to be much, much, much easier. Whatever it is that you're, you're going to do. I don't know if you're going to dance sports, running, (laughs) do it fast. It's hard to migrate. And sometimes we sit there. It was a hard lesson for me because, you know, I was an immigrant. I was shy. I was, you know, I didn't know quite the culture. So it took a long, it took, at least two years for me to really like get into it, but I could have done it quicker. Looking back, I'm like, wait, what, what was I doing? (laughs) You know, I think, you know, just go in and and start meeting people and assimilating in in that society quickly. So I guess that's, that's my, that's my two cents with that. Don't wait. If you're an immigrant, there's immigrants, just go in it. 
um, you know, America is a country of immigrants. Nobody will care. Just find the right people that you're going to connect with and, and get in it. So you're not sitting there lonely and missing home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's true. That's so true. And I totally echo with you. And, and, you know, if you think two years is long, uh, that's wrong. <laughs> I'm sure two years, if you did it in two years, that <laughs> is faster, super fast. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to humor yourself. Uh, and it's not easy, uh, yeah. particularly, no. you know, um, in, in particularly, I don't know, you know, it hasn't been easy for me. Um, and I think yeah. one thing that I realized is it's us who is blocking that, you know, nobody else is trying to give you the hard time. We are just, you know, uh, confining to ourselves and are trying to find our own community so that, you know, we feel better. But, you know, your session is right. You know, just go there, you know, talk to people, you know, network, find a way to immerse yourself, immerse yourself, be, you know, what may it take, right? Dance, sport, yeah. or, you know, whatever you find, you know, you're passionate, just do it best and, and uh, talk to more and more people. Um, that That's going to yeah. open up so many doors and... And, you know, make For your sure. life so much better over time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, look at it, like we're talking about your network. You know, of course, you, you want to hang out with Zambians here and there. But the truth of the matter is most of my friends and people that have provided me, you know, allyship or are not even from Zambia at all. It's, it's everybody yeah. from everywhere. You yeah. relate at such a common level that you, you don't if you go out there and you're authentic and you meet people, you'd be very surprised how you know, how much in common you have. So exactly. that's your currency. Go out and meet people outside of your bubble. Exactly. Um, and I like this word, you know, that currency is, that network is your currency uh, and, and make, find a way to, you know, build it as much as you can. And, and you yeah. know, I, I, I want to echo the other part, right? You, going out there and, you know, being authentic, you know, which is this podcast about be open and authentic. So oh, that yeah. will, that will, yeah, that will take you to, you know, many places. So yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, th thanks for this. Um, cool. Uh, you know, with the, I still have a lot more uh, that I want to talk about, uh, but I think we'll end it here and then plan it for some other time. Maybe after another, another yes, silicone, or, you know, another fundraise. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> you know, series uh, A. Series. <laughs> cool. You got it. You got it. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, my other goal for this podcast is to keep, you know, bringing guests back and, and learn mm -hmm. from their experience even more, because if you're going through all these crucial experiences, you are actually learning more and more. So, which is what I want to, you know, capture over time and connect all these dots and how, you know, create such a valuable, you know, journey and build that valuable journey map uh, with learnings. I think that would be pretty cool. That's what I'm aiming for. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Uh, you will do it. Keep going. You're doing great things. Cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Belinda. That's, that's good to hear. Um, and again, uh, I am so grateful for your time and uh, and being open and sharing all those lessons, uh, you know, professional, personal, and, and all those experiences, right? That is very valuable. Uh, I, I learned a great deal from this episode. I'm sure many people will learn it over the time. And just just thank you for, you know, being open and authentic with me on the show. Um, and thanks for your time again. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. With that, um, that's it for now. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Bye.